I'm going to turn on our technology because um, for the first time ever in Philip's life, he's actually had to write out what he's going to speak. And it wasn't easy. (laughs) And he's really trusting me to actually say the words he wrote. This is a good marriage test this morning. Um, So uh, over the course of this morning, we'll kind of go back and forth, except it's always my voice you'll hear, but it'll be Philip's words many times and all. And I'll clarify that. So first, we want to say thank you. Make sure I can scroll. Thank you for your prayers over the years, and especially these last couple of years. Thanks for your financial support for us as we serve with Multiply. Thanks for your love and your care. We felt it and received it as such a blessing. True, true, true. And so have the people that serve with us around the globe. Your blessing to us is a blessing that impacts such a broad community. We're so thankful for you being team with us. And our team has grown here in Eastern Canada, and actually Joel and Petra and their boys are beautifully seated right near the front. They've come to visit and and just get to know the ethos of Evergreen Heights a little bit, and Joel and Petra have joined us, and Joel in particular is serving in the role that Philip was carrying um, until he was uh, needing to uh, step into a long-term disability with with the ALS. So we're really glad you guys are here today. And it's been a joy for us to continue to work with our team here in Eastern Canada and see God continue to disciple people around the globe, locally as well. And as many of you know, and as Tamil mentioned, and as you have prayed, we're on a new mission assignment. One we didn't ask for, but one God has allowed for us, for his good glory. And we're still calling people to live on mission, but with an added sense of urgency and an added sense of the power and presence of God in the process, and that is true. And although, as I've said, it's my voice you're hearing this morning, most of these thoughts have been developed by Philip as he's been sitting with Jesus over these last couple of years. So I'll try and hop back and forth a bit and throw in a few uh, thoughts that God has stirred in me on this journey, but we're, we're working on this new team dynamic in our ministry. Sometimes it's great. Mm. You're so you're so right. He said she does all the hard work. <laughs> he said I'll just watch. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity to be with you. So this is from Philip. Robin and I want to testify to joy this morning and how we've been experiencing it in the middle of this challenging chapter. Grief, pain, and sorrow are all real. But in God's design to save the world, to redeem it from evil, sin, and decay, he generates a joy in the heart of believers that transcends our circumstances and sustains us through hardship. Listen to these excerpts from this famous carol. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. No more let sin and sorrow grow. No thorns infest the ground. 
He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Okay, this is Robin. In my own reflections recently, particularly asking for a truth to anchor this Christmas time and to put on the chalkboard in my kitchen, I've sensed God say, love has come. That's what I've done. I've brought love up close and personal in the form of my son, Jesus. So no wonder we can sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Love has come. Joy has come. Joy has come in a person. From Philip. We've been learning since I was diagnosed with ALS two years ago. And we've been learning this specifically. I've lost my speaking voice and most of the strength in my hands, arms, and legs. Every month, there is something to mourn. An ability, a pastime, a dream. ALS is a degenerative disease in which the brain gradually stops communicating with the muscles. There's no cure. Within a couple of years, the muscles that control breathing go offline unless God intervenes and heals me, which we are full of faith for him to do. Amen. And for me, I will say, it's been a journey that's not only impacting Philip, but also our family his parents and siblings and our kids in our community. Our kids have had to journey through who they really believe God is and to discover the Father who's powerfully present but allows hard things and is still the God who loves and brings joy. Discovering joy. Philip. Sometimes we look at each other a little amazed Why do we have all this joy? (laughs) We wonder, how is God doing this? Over the past months, 2 Corinthians 4 has been a source of encouragement and challenge, and we'll be drawing from that powerful chapter throughout the morning as well as other scriptures. We've also been unpacking some key themes that bring and prevent joy and hope and faith. These are also woven into what we share today. God gives us a powerful promise, which really is our premise. We don't suffer alone. God is with us, Emmanuel. We don't suffer alone. Instead of removing pain from life's equation, he adds a variable, his presence. And his presence brings joy. This is a powerful reality for us in the story we're living. This season isn't easy. We carry this deep sadness, but we don't carry it alone. The grief of losing years with my family is gut-wrenching, but his peace overrides. I may never reach the milestones in mission I had hoped for, but I don't despair. I'm hidden with Christ in God, as Paul said in Colossians 3.3. In fact, that's it. There is no despair when we have given hidden, surrendered our lives to the overcomer. Grief, sadness, even fear is real, but without despair, they've lost their sting. Mm -hmm. I call it the terrifying delight of losing everything. 
I don't fight these losses. I'm not blaming or bitter. The trauma of this disease has left me with only the capacity to collapse in the arms of my heavenly father and ask myself if that's enough. Enough to satisfy, fill my identity, fuel my hope, direct my rest. I can't perform for his attention. I can't be strong for his approval. I've nothing left to bargain with. Yet I hear his voice. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's Isaiah 55, 1. I'm thankful that even if everything else is lost, we're left with the love and acceptance of the Father. It is untouchable. Jesus loves me, this I know, for his spirit tells me so. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us, the brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. This glorious knowledge of God burning bright within, knowing God and experiencing his love warms our souls from within, overwhelming life's cruelest circumstances with his love and fills our hearts with trust and courage. This verse references creation. It's God's nature to produce light out of darkness. Equally powerful to the dawn of light at creation is the supernova of the glorious knowledge of God in Jesus. God through Jesus is as powerful as creation. Let there be Jesus. Amen. Losing joy. But there can be barriers to this experience of knowing joy through Jesus. Why is this often not our experience? What prevents us from knowing this beautiful promise? Where do we get the idea that we can avoid trouble and sorrow? Why are we shocked and irate when it comes to us? How can we be so blind to the depth of human suffering throughout history and all around us to believers and non-believers alike? Suffering is everywhere. Before this disease, I was part of a sort of privileged elite, the club that knows little of suffering and has lived a pretty charmed life. This left me naive and blind to the pain all around me. Jesus declares hard times will be our reality and promises to bring peace, courage, and hope. John 16.33 says, For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. If this is true, how do we have the audacity to put God on trial for every hurt or threaten to disavow his very existence every time a crisis occurs? Paul calls his serious hardships light and momentary afflictions. <laughs> Let's repent of a weak faith, that first joy killer, 
that is quick to blame and slow to trust. Jesus has overcome this world's pain, and he wants to share that peace with us and through us. He can carry our grief and sorrows, because by his wounds, we're healed. It is a finished work. And when we choose to blame God rather than trust him, it prevents joy from germinating in our hearts. And there's another temptation that is definitely a joy killer, choosing to be the victim. Let me tell you, the fight to become a victim is more real than you can imagine. The lure of becoming the victim surfaces in a thousand temptations to blame God, envy others, especially when they talk about the plans they're going to do next summer and next year, and you know you have to hold the present as your gift and, and discipline your heart to live in the gift of life today and to leverage the curse for attention and favors. This is a dangerous path that bonds us with the illness and distances us from God's grace and power. So early on, I rejected this and declared the truth. I may have ALS, but ALS does not have me. The Psalms have helped me enormously to remain in the truth that I am hidden with Christ in God. I stand on the foundations of my identity of being redeemed by Jesus, adopted by Father God, and resuscitated by the Holy Spirit. This is the source of everything. Robin. (laughs) Me. Um, as a sidebar, choosing to be a victim means choosing a false identity instead of the joy of the Lord. And when we do that, our lives reflect that choice. It seems like the doors to comfort, blessing, and encouragement and joy close when we choose that false identity. But when we live rooted with our identity rooted in Jesus, it's powerful. It especially affects how we pray. We don't pray as victims. We pray with confidence and expectation. We pray with freedom to trust God's plan, purpose, and timing no matter what. We pray as Jesus taught us. Deliver us from the evil one. We push back the darkness. We declare Christ's authority over the devil, over ALS, over Philip's body, even over medicine. Everything submits to him and his plan, and he holds the plan. So sustaining joy. We've said, we talked about discovering joy, how we can lose joy, but sustaining joy from Philip. We're learning on this journey where to find hope, strength, and joy, where to find life, where to discover real life. My usual sources are rapidly failing and disappearing, actually. I've lost the muscles to embrace the present and the time to dream about the future. Most of the things that excited me in the past can't help me now. Leisure, sport, travel, personal ambition have all gone bankrupt. Paul calls us to shift our dependency from what is temporal to what is eternal, to engage what is unseen rather than what is seen. 2 Corinthians 4, starting at 16, says, 
So no wonder we don't give up, for even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory, far beyond all comparison, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. And Colossians 3, 1 to 4, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. What a promise. Wow. I can't believe I settle. Boy, do I ever settle. But this is the promise. So we're finding life where God is. We're finding joy where God is. I choose to live life from all that is true in this unseen realm, my redeemedness. I'm adopted and loved by the Father. My spirit is spiritually connected to God's spirit. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, Romans 8, 16. And for Robin, me, (laughs) I've been rediscovering who God is. Uncreated, eternal, creator of all, not bound by space or time, and yet fully present and intimate. I've spent time just trying to wrap my mind about around uncreated God, that before anything, God. After everything, God. Around everything, God. And then we come into the story, not the other way around. And if we are brought into the story of God by his choice to create us and establish us on this planet, oh my goodness, I have a, I have a soul deep sigh of relief that God's more than up to the task of carrying us through this chapter in our lives. No matter what the finish line looks like here on earth, God is God. I've also been deeply encouraged that God's faithful to all the yeses um, that he called me to over the years that he's called out some yeses in my discipleship. I will totally confess a lot of no's. Sort of, you know, two steps forward, one step back, five steps back. But we keep moving on. And there have been yeses in my journey with him. And they've given me roots of faith that have laid my foundation on solid rock. The storms have come. And God's discipleship in my life over the years has borne fruit. 
He's done what he'd said he'd do. Teach me in his ways so that I walk in his paths. I surrendered long ago. And that ongoing surrender has prepared me for today's challenges. I can't imagine how I'd be if I had said a lot of no's and then had to catch up. So, that leads, of course, to an invitation. These are some questions to ask ourselves today, all of us, and just as I sort of speak them out, I just invite you to, to, to ask the Holy Spirit, hmm, are you wanting to talk to me about any of these? Has God shrunk in my understanding of who he is over these last years? Or are we growing in a deeper awareness of the unseen, uncreated God of the universe who loves us so deeply, he sent joy in the person of Jesus? Have we been saying yes to the invitations God has been giving us today? Is our faith growing? Where is God inviting us to repent of weak faith, a thin foundation, and the pride of judging God inadequate? How have we bonded with a false identity and preferred the role of victim? What is our faith statement? I may have blank but blank doesn't have me. What would it practically look like for us to shift dependency away from the seen and temporal and find life in the unseen and eternal? Finally, we started with that beautiful poem by Isaac Watts, set to music by Handel, Joy to the world. The Lord, joy, has come and is here with us. Joy has come so that we never suffer alone, so that we live in the fullness of his presence. But joy has also come so that the whole world does not suffer alone, so that the whole world lives in the fullness of his presence. The message of joy comes to us and through us. I wouldn't be a good multiply worker if I didn't say that. <clears throat> it's a message that is shared with a neighbor in distress, a friend at school who's happy, a people group that suffers under oppression, a nation at war. Our prayer this morning is that we receive joy and share it. Share him with the world he came to save. Let earth, the whole earth, receive her king. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you know, uh, you know where our hearts are at. You know where we struggle. You know where we experience peace. You know where we hope, you know where we fight despair. 
You know the story of our circumstance, and you know you can overcome and have overcome it all. So, Father, where we wrestle with weak faith this morning, or maybe a small picture of how powerful and loving and present you are, would you, in your kindness, expose that? And in this day and in the coming days, would you stir in us a deeper trust in your goodness, in your presence? And would you call out of us a new yes? Whatever that may look like, we ask this. Not just for the powerful gift it is to us, but because of the powerful gift it is for a suffering world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.